There are more cows on the streets of Portland than a man ever met with. They have gaunter shapes, more intensely insane eyes. They understand more in detail the art of gate and fence breaking, are gifted with greater perseverance in the pursuit of gastronomic pleasures than any other cows possible. They constitute a predatory force more dangerous to property than all the human highwaymen, thieves, burglars, and robbers this side of San Francisco. It is April 1st, 1864, and in Portland, something needs to be done about those goddamn cows. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to another installment of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked-out history folks at orhistory.com. I'm your host, Andy Lindbergh, and under the guidance of resident historian Doug Kent Crispin, we profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. Kick-Ass Oregon History is a presentation of ORHistory.com and is supported by listeners like you. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit orhistory.com and click Donate. These days, across the city of Portland, it seems that every other neighbor has some fancy-ass backyard chicken. Boutique breeds like Australorps, Americanas, and Gold Sex Links a scratching and a peckin' in backyard coops, occasionally raising their clucks a bit above a tolerable volume, but mostly only when it's time to lay an egg. In the middle of the fucking night. But things used to be much worse in the City of Roses. Oh yes, much, much worse. For back in our city's illustrious past, Portlanders had to deal with another backyard boutique epidemic, but this one, dear ass kickers, was caused by cows. cows. Back in the old timey days, and for this specific discussion, let's quantify that as being roughly 1860 to 1880 there were a lot of cows in the city of Portland. The proverbial shit-ton of cows. And the residents of the city, well, they felt that that was kind of shitty. In 1864, under the title Ring, 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 the newspaper proclaimed that the large band of cows running loose in this city most of which wear bells, has a practice of congregating at the southwestern part of town and ring from the shades of evening until dark. The grass in that locality attracts them and their feeding is attended by such a clatter that all the plantation bitters in the country would not make the inhabitants sleep. 
we think this is a subject that deserves to be noticed by the powers that be. And if cows must wear bells in the city, they should be corralled for the night at least. The present system is a nuisance and distracts much from the flavor of cream and coffee at the breakfast table of not a few. Now that little burst of copy sounds to me like the reporter was awakened in the twilight of the morning by a fucking cowbell, got pissed, and went down the kitchen table and started scribbling. And it also seems like Portlanders have always been a little privileged and also a little fucking snooty about how entitled they are to have their perfect morning cup of coffee. The city responded. An ordinance to amend ordinance number 232 entitled, quote, An ordinance to prevent horses or cows from roaming at large. But the, the cows kept a coming. The Oregonian lamented in February of 1867 that there were city ordinances against cows running wild at night in Portland, but nothing to prevent the wandering bovines ambling about during the daylight hours. The reporter stated that the need for such a ruling was self-evident, describing the dire state the Portlanders found themselves in. Cattle and horses soon learned to attack every single wagon left standing in the streets in quest for food. A farmer who brings in a load of produce has got to stand guard over his wagon to keep away predatory cattle. And where such precaution is not attended to, loss of portions of the load is very liable to occur. Besides this nuisance, it is almost impossible to protect young shade trees from being cropped or broken down and ruined. Cattle rub against the enclosing frames, break them down and spoil the trees. In many instances brought within our knowledge, fences have proved of little avail to protect shrubs and trees growing under the edge of an enclosure. The city responded again. Except when being driven through for shipment or other purpose within the following limits between Market Street and between the Willamette River and North Knight Street. And the problem was real, and it was so deeply entrenched in the city that it struck out at the very symbols of our civic heritage. Those goddamn cows were a menace. In August of 1871, just a few short years after Captain James Cooch deeded them to the city, disaster struck in the North Park blocks. About a dozen ornamental trees in this newly planted park lot were destroyed by what was termed predatory cows. Help and 
but these bovine bastards begat more breakage and destruction. A Portland family that had gone away for the evening came home the next morning to find that their previously closed gate had been knocked down. The kitchen door had been kicked in, and in the shambles they found a ruined bag of flour and another of potatoes. Continuing into the dining room, they found smashed tables, and the sitting room contained similar damage. Eventually, they found the culprit in the parlor. She was laying down, content and chewing her cud. In July of 1872, it was noted that the ordinances had come to some good effect. On July 8th, 33 head of cattle had been corralled for trespassing, and due to the terms of the ordinance, ultimately could be sold by the city at public auction, disposed of. The reporter concluded that in extreme cases, the loss of such a commodity could have a significant financial impact on the owner of said cow. But as always, the Oregonian wasn't afraid to get all judgy on your ass. The virulent character of the disease, which is of chronic standing, requires a strong remedy to effect a cure. The paper continued that, The manner in which cows have long run at will, browsing on shrubbery and the shade trees to the manifest damage of private and public property has been a most intolerant nuisance which the public has been called upon to endure for years. This new ordinance strikes directly at the root of the evil. The evil being, of course, But moderation was not always found in the Daily's public response to the ordeal of the cows. The Oregonian several times suggested sending all the cows out of the city, or failing that, just killing them all. In the light of public policy, why should dogs be taxed for the privilege of running at large, while cows go at will single, in pairs, or in droves, up and down and doing more damage than all the dogs, cats, varmints, and human rogues combined. Hogs are delightful visitants compared with cows. Hogs will go through holes if they can find them. Cows, Portland cows, make the holes, and big ones too, and open the breaches faster than any man of industry can close them. There should be a cow pound, and a pound master, and all the cows pounded to death. In examining the horror of the cows, we get a chance to look back at Portland when there was maybe 5,000 or on up to just under 10,000 citizens in this municipality. Our little burg on the side of the Willamette River. 
we can see how different things were in this cowpoke town, but still much more urbane than a shitty Oregon one cow town. We get a chance to see how popular opinion is played out in the press, and then later folded into city policies and procedures. It's a little time capsule of how things operated, how shit got done, on such a seemingly mundane but obviously destructive subject that was, well, cows. But we also get a little glimpse of what Portland is today, and that is this backyard agricultural movement that is very alive in our present era. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of historical comparatives, but it is neat to consider the four mothers and fathers of our city bitching about the shitty milk that they could buy at the corner store versus the raw, real deal that came from Bessie's Utter that crisp spring April morning back in 1864. Put that double lop of home-churned butter into your coffee this morning, dear ass-kicker. And then, of course, there's the case of Mrs. Corbett's cow and the ruckus she caused. But that sounds like another tale to be told on another day, dear ass kicker. I left alone. My mind was blank. I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts from ORHistory.com. We hope that you agree that today's episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Doug Kank Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Kick-ass Oregon history is on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. Follow us on Instagram at Kickass Oregon History. We're also on the Facebook. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Want more Kickass Oregon History in your life? Become a podcast supporter. Learn more at ORHistory.com. Just don't get too close to Mr. Kank Crispin. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass.
orhistory.com.